Doing beautiful. You know, if I haven't met you, my name's Evan. Um, and it's crazy. It's the end of July. You know, as I get older, I realize time goes faster and faster. Is that logical? Is that a reality? Does anybody else agree with that? It's weird. I don't know. Maybe our memories just get weaker and weaker, so we forget what's going on. Bet you guys are curious what's going on over there. Sweet. So we uh, we're in the middle of a series uh, entitled "Audience of One." To give you a little context for this series, um, the God of the Bible, from cover to cover, He shows and people talk about how the reason we have life is due to His grace. Grace is an unmerited and undeserved favor from the creator of everything. So the reason that we are alive right here in this moment and have everything we have is due to his grace being given to us. And it also states that our salvation of our souls, that eternal part of who we are, comes solely from his grace. It means there's nothing we can do to earn that other than accepting the gift that he has given to us. But then there's a whole lot more in the Bible of God's instructions about how we are to live. If we desire the abundant life, it only comes when we are willing to live based on the instructions of our Creator. And that's kind of what we're looking at, you know, for the next five weeks, I suppose, till the end of August. And so it has absolutely nothing to do with our salvation. That's solely based on our faith in Jesus and what he did. It has nothing to do to influence God's love upon us, to increase his favor upon us, because that is just unwavering. That's how God views us. God is love. But if you desire to have the best life possible, it comes down to your willingness to surrender to his plan for your life. Last week we looked at prayer Um, This week, we're going to look at meditation. And it's this idea, both prayer and meditation, of how we come before God in order to receive those instructions so that way we can live a better life. You know, tonight, I kind of want to just open with this idea. Our lives are made up of where we spend our time. How we spend our time is an indicator of our priorities, and our priorities are what shape our lives. Let me make you some bracelets. Really kidding about that. All right, so I'm a a teacher at heart. taught middle school for five years prior to getting a job cleaning toilets. But it just came to my mind, this idea of like a visual demonstration of this idea that time, how we spend our time is what makes up our lives. You guys see it back there? Getting better? Nice. You can't always judge the people in the back row. We got to help them out too. All right. So just these are the various categories of your life. We got work. We got relationships. We got hobbies. Your free time. You're relaxing those moments that you have where you can choose whatever you want. And then you have God. And we'll just pretend that this is a week or a month of your life. And these are those hours, moments, however you want to quantify it. 
that make up the amount of time that you spend at work. Decent amount. Relationships, whether that's your boyfriend, girlfriend, friends, spouse, kids. Decent amount too. And for some of you out there, these two are combined, right? Your job is to raise your kids, to spend time with your family. And then we have hobbies. Whatever you're passionate about, whatever you're into, right? It could be like me riding bike or rock climbing. You could be really into sports. Maybe you like to lift weights, swim. Maybe you're really into like baseball, basketball, whatever. It fills your time, those time things outside of work and relationship. And then you have your free time. Um, it could be watching movies. It could be looking at YouTube and Pinterest and all of those kind of things. Right? Some of you probably have a lot more in here, right? If you don't have kids that are under the age of four. <laughs> and then there's God. Right? Here we are, devoting our physical time to God. You know, how we live our lives, how we spend our time, is really what makes our lives what they are. If you want to know who you are, a good way to start to figure that out is look at how you spend your time. But as I've been thinking through this, there's far more to our day than where we spend our time physically. Regardless of where you are physically, your mind is free to go wherever you want it to be. Our mental focus is more of what determines our priorities and therefore our life than anything else. So for blue represents your thoughts, the where you spend your time. So you're at work eight hours a day, 40 days a week, or 40 hours a week, and you are thinking about work a little bit, right? Some of you may be more than others, right? We'll, we'll pretend that we're better workers than we probably are. But how many times when you're at work do you think about hobbies? Things that you're really passionate about that you want to spend your time doing. Maybe you think about your family a little bit. Maybe every once in a while you think about God. Maybe more about your family because your kid is doing certain things that you can't stand. Right? And so your, your, your mental time is spread out all over. A lot of times with you, when you're with your family, if you're at all like me, you're hanging out with your kids, but you're thinking about what you really want to be doing. Right? Or maybe work is kind of a little bit harder at this time and it's requiring more thought. So even though you're spending physical time with your family, you're thinking about work. Free time, relaxing, you know, most of the time when you're there, you're there. And maybe you set aside a little bit more time than just an hour a week to hang out with God. We'll just finish that off. You know, but as I've been thinking through that, our lives, our mental time, has more than to do with just these five categories. We have these personal inclinations, these tendencies that you have, that I have, that other people have as well, but they're very specific to us. You know, the Bible refers to them as fleshly tendencies, things that are not from God. Bummer. Oh, man. Well, if we can 
can pick up the beads. Here we go. We're good. Just kids, watch your feet. I have shoes on. All right, let's just leave it. Seriously, let's just leave it. All right, so, wow. Just leave it. Just leave it, promise. We're good. Yeah, I'm positive. So we have these personal tendencies, these things that kind of we devote our time, our mental time to, although most people, thanks Chris, don't know that's where we spend our time. Things such as pride. Maybe you have a point of view that the rest of us do, that you are the center of this world. That what you believe and what you think is right and true. That life is all about you and what you want out of this life. Maybe you like things. Maybe you want to have more of things. And it's what the Bible calls greed. And so you're looking at ways to fill your life with more things. Because things are what are going to make me happy. right? My bank account, if it was just a little bit fuller, things would be better off. Maybe you like to judge other people. Maybe as you see other people, thoughts instantly roll through your head. Like, man, I can't believe they're doing that. I bet you that they are this way. I bet you they're not as good of a mom. I bet you they do this to their husband. Those judgmental tendencies continue to come through. Maybe it's lust. Maybe your mind is continually going to the sensual picking things apart. Even though you're sitting at work, your mind is retreating to the place that lust always takes it. And what happens as our minds focus on this, as we spend our mental energy doing this, pretend that these are full with our physical time, we'll back it up a little bit. What they do is they intrude into our work. How often do you think judgmental thoughts about people at work? How often do you knock them down in your mind because they said this or they did that? How about you're hanging out with your family? You're not really liking what your wife just said to her kids or who your kids are. Maybe you're thinking about a girl that you saw walking down the street on your way home from work. Maybe you're worried about not having enough things. And these thoughts just continually pour in. Your hobbies, you're out riding your bike, but you can't stop thinking about problems at work. Your free time, you're watching things you should not watch. And God gets none of that. You know, we... This analogy can continue to to flow if we want to because this a big thing that influences our 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 mindset uh, where our minds go are circumstances let's say you have a poor relationship when things are bad with somebody that's close with you, worry anxiety right fear of losing that relationship anger pour in let's say money is running low. And work is just not working out the way we want it to. And so then we start worrying and becoming anxious about what if I'm not going to have enough. 
What if work's going bad? You're stressed about your job or about your boss and the way that they're treating you. Maybe you're sick. Maybe somebody close to you just died. Worry and anxiety can just flood into our minds. And again, it pours into our time with our, at work, our time with our family, our time when we finally get alone time. And again, our life becomes full. Our thoughts become full. Our time is full of these sorts of thoughts. You know, when you simply look at how you spend your time, you can get an idea of your priorities and what your life should be like. But when you take a look behind the curtain into your thoughts, into the world that they create, you can see what your life is really comprised of. Now, even though we have our personal predispositions and our circumstances are continually influencing us and those around us are influencing the direction of our thoughts, we have control over where our mind goes. We are created with incredible mental capabilities and free will. Those two go hand in hand. We have incredible mental capabilities and free will. Our beautiful minds have the ability to be steered and often redirected down whichever path we desire. And as we just looked at, our stream of thought is what is continually molding our lives. In whatever way we allow the pebbles to fall, this is how our lives are shaped. You know, it makes sense why God continually instructs us, gives us instruction based on where our minds go. You know, Deuteronomy 6 is a nice place to start. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, and with all of your might. Keep these words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. So for the the Israelites, for the Jewish people, the heart was a center of their being. It was their mind and their emotions. It was where their passion flowed from. And so he said, in your mind, in the parts, the deepest parts of who you are, stay locked in on what I am telling you, what I am giving to you. You know, Paul continues this like 2,000 years later with Philippians 4, 8. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You know, we have the ability to choose where our minds go and the weight of that choice is massive. Where our minds go, there our lives will follow. By choosing to focus in on God and the goodness that he brings to this world, our minds will be continually renewed and our lives transformed. By choosing to engage your mind on your creator, we will discover the will of God, what is good and perfect and acceptable. And these aren't even my words. This is Romans 12.2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, your minds, as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And who would not want those three things for your life? So how do we do this? How do we transform our lives to the renewing of our minds? You know, let's go back to Deuteronomy 6 and finish off the rest of that passage. So he continues and says, Recite them to your children 
and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away. When you lie down and when you rise, bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. You know, God is instructing Israel to continually meditate on and discuss the truths that he had given them. This is everything from the mountain through Moses to Israel of how they were to structure their lives. You know, the idea of home and away, when you lie down and when you rise, this is simply the concrete everyday life that we live. Think about the number of times you come home and you go away in a day. Think about the times you lie down and you rise. All of that takes place every day over and over. And so he's saying in the concrete, routine parts of your day, you got to focus in on these things. The idea of binding them as a sign on your hand, fixing them on, as an emblem on your forehead, and writing them on their doorposts. This is cultural, right? But it's putting in a place where you see them continually. It's like getting a tattoo put on you that reminds you of what God's told you. Putting up pictures on the walls of your house that speak God's truth. It is so that they are ever present in front of you. God desires you and me to fix our thoughts on him, his character, and his destruction in his instruction on life during every part of our day. Not just Saturday nights from 5.30 to 6.30, not just in the mornings from 5.45 to 6, but every day. Now, how do we do this? And there's so many different answers to that question. One, reading your Bible is key. That's straight from God, and it will speak into your life. Putting up Bible verses, you can get little cards that you can put on the dashboard as you're driving, other places. Community, having a group of people that you can meet with on a regular basis that's like-minded. Similar followers of Christ that can help encourage you. Worship, times like we have right now, that realign our minds with what is true. Just an hour of refocusing in on who God is. Like all these things will help us live out Deuteronomy 6. But what I want to focus on just for the next few minutes is meditation. Now, due to Eastern spiritual practices, meditation has a negative connotation in our Christian culture. You guys agree with that? You know, but do not be deceived. Please do not be deceived. You know, the definition of meditation is thinking deeply or carefully about something. That's it thinking deeply or carefully about something. It has biblical roots and is scientifically proven to be good for our brains. So let's start with the biblical roots. Uh, Just one example of what the Bible says about meditation. Psalms 1, 1 through 3, and it's all throughout the Psalms, but it's in other places of the Bible as well. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither, and all they do, they prosper. Again, that's an analogy for our lives and the good things that could come into our lives when we meditate on God's word day and night. You know, Buddhist-style meditative practices desire to seek nothing, to fully clear your mind so that way you can remove yourself from reality which for them is chaos. That's what Buddhists believe. That's what Hinduists believe, that reality is chaos, is distortion, and we must seek silence because that is the only true thing. 
But biblical meditation is about focusing on what is true, honorable, just, pure, commendable, things of excellence, things worthy of praise, right? Philippians 4.8. Biblical meditation is deeply thinking or carefully thinking about God, who he is and what he has done for us and will continue to do for us. You know, in terms of the health benefits, I looked up on Mayo's website. Some noted health benefits for meditation include help with people with anxiety, asthma, cancer, chronic pain, depression, heart disease, high blood pressure, irritable bowel syndrome, sleep problems, tension headaches, right? These have all been proven through clinical trials, through meditation, it can help with these things. I can tell you from personal experience, meditation is key for those with traumatic brain injuries, By narrowing in our focus on one thing, things that are true and pure and good, the brain is able to physically slow down and take a break from the endless clutter that it is constantly processing. You know, it's probably a common saying that we hear it in elementary school, the brain is a muscle, but we tend to forget this so quickly. We know what happens to the rest of our body, the muscles, when we don't take a break, but we never consider that for our brain, which is also a muscle. You know, in terms of the benefits mentally and emotionally, they're, they're gigantic. By meditating on God and his goodness, it allows us to realign our thought process and our emotions with what is true. It forces us to stop worrying about things that overwhelm us like money, problems with relationships, sickness, having a lack of purpose in life. You know, let me give you an example just to make this real, and I guarantee there's endless examples from all of you in here as well. Um, But I own a business, my wife and I do, with cabins, and a big part of that business and its success is up to people's opinions of it, right? And we live in a world where we can voice our opinion in endless ways. And so as I got into this business, TripAdvisor became an idol, a nuisance, right? The devil itself, it just became this thing that I was continually focused on. And when I would get below a five-star rating, my mind would just go crazy. I'd be checking TripAdvisor like six, eight, 12 times a day because I thought that that, it was the place from which my business would continue to come. And it wasn't until God pulled me away and said, Evan, who am I? Where do you get the breath in your lungs, the thoughts in your mind, the money in your bank account, the fact that the sun is shining, where does that come from? And I realized that God is my provider. And through meditating on that over and over, God is my provider, not my TripAdvisor rankings. God is my provider, not my customers' opinions. It totally changed the level of anxiety and worry and all those things that came with that. You know, I'm now to the point where I check TripAdvisor the first day of each month. That's it. God's completely broken me for you that due to that time meditating on his, the truth of who he was. So I do want to go even more specific on how we do this. Now there's really no formula in my opinion on how you meditate biblically. And we looked at prayer last week and prayer defined as coming face to face with our creator so that we can exchange his wishes for our wishes to give up our desires for life so that we can take his. Right? And meditation is very similar. It's just about approaching our creator to find out a better way to live. You know, but there is something that's worked really well for me, and I've just entitled it, Pick a Word or a Phrase. You know, this may come from a verse or a book that you've been recently reading, a quote that you heard, or a word or phrase that God gave to you directly due to the circumstances that you're in the middle of. 
Now, that may sound a little crazy to you that God would come and tell you something to help you out, but man, that is who our creator is. He desires to intimately interact with us moment by moment. You know, Jesus says in John that the spirit, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth that will lead you into all truth. And he is what is in Christians' minds. He is speaking that truth to us. So when you hone in on a word or a phrase, simply repeat it over and over for a period of time. 30 seconds, 5 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever you have set aside, just repeat it over and over. And as you say that word or that phrase, begin to focus in on the different words in there and the meanings that they have for you. Let me give you an example. You know, one that I heard from uh, Brennan Manning, he was an author, just really changed, God changed my life through him, was Abba, I belong to you. Abba, I belong to you. Abba, that means Father. God is my Father. I belong to you. Abba, I, every part of who I am, my mind, my emotions, my time, my resources, they belong to you. Abba, I belong. I am your possession. I am one of yours. You hold me in your hand. Abba, I belong to you. You are the creator of everything, all-powerful, all-controlling, but yet I belong to you and you are my Father. The more you say it over and over, the more you can understand the richness to that phrase and what those words mean. And this is not something that you just create on your own because this is a form of prayer and the Spirit will direct your mind, I promise you. You know, if for some reason you can't come up with the phrase, nothing's coming to you, right? I gave you a little handout. It's made on cardstock. It's a big deal, people. It means you can't just throw it away, right? There's a few ones in there that are biblically based, um, just short and succinct, um, just in case you need a little something to help encourage you along with it. But with this, I encourage you to start your day with this word or this phrase. Carve out a chunk of time in the morning to pull away from the distractions so that you can focus on God. As you repeat this word or phrase, it becomes ingrained into your mind. Six o'clock in the morning for five minutes, but you find that it becomes ingrained in your mind and as you continue throughout the rest of your day, those words come to mind almost naturally regardless of where you're at. This was going to be the perfect pinnacle to my illustration. That's the beauty of being a middle school teacher. You realize through that that you are not as cool as you think. So let me kind of show you how this works out. Because the true beauty, the true benefit of this style of meditation comes in throughout the rest of your day. If I can get this opened up. You know, we saw kind of what the the flesh did, the ways that that kind of filtrated throughout the rest of your day. You know, the same thing is true with our godly nature, with the way that the Spirit works into our minds. And so as we spend that time meditating, Abba, I belong to you. God, you are my creator. I am, a, I am your servant and your servant alone. I need more of you and less of me. This begins to fill our mind with thoughts that originated from God himself. You know, and let's say this is your week of this morning times, those those 15 minutes in the morning, it fills up with that. But what I found is incredible is that it transfers far more out of that because as you take that time, excuse me, to meditate upon God, to allow those truths to be ingrained into your mind, you get the fruits of the Spirit. Love, 
knowing that you are loved, a desire to love other people, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. And so when you're at work and your coworker is treating you poorly, that love for them just somehow starts to come out. Your thoughts towards them are no longer judging as much, but they're more, God, how can I serve them? How can I love them? As your two-year-old or your infant or your four-year-old is just going ballistic, right? instead of being overwhelmed by that emotion, you find the strange peace and joy that God gave you this person so that you can be their servant, so that you can love them far more than you love yourself. And it continues to just pour out. The worry that can come in because you don't have as much money is replaced with a peace that God is your provider. And that goes throughout your entire day. When you're driving down the road and you see somebody you find attractive, instead of being overwhelmed by impulse, self-control takes over. And these fruits of the Spirit are just sprinkled through your entire life. And so instead of having this cup that's devoted to God, it's almost as if God becomes a part of our everyday through those meditations. You know, as, as we saturate our days with what is true and pure and worthy of praise, our minds will be renewed and our lives will be transformed. You know, there still is this battle that takes place because just because you're meditating doesn't mean you're not going to have any of those fleshly tendencies in there. But what's amazing, what it says in Galatians, it's the spirit versus the flesh. Where the spirit is, the flesh cannot be. And so the more we focus in on what the spirit brings us, what God desires, the less that flesh shows up and the more our lives are filled with God and his goodness. And so then when you pull back that curtain, you no longer see all of those things that you're so shameful for, but rather you see a life that has been transformed by our creator, the spirit that he put within you, a life that is truly abundant. And honestly, it's not that complicated because it comes down to the choices you make in each moment of the day believe it's as simple as that, that you can choose to focus in on the flesh and those things that destroy, or in that moment you can focus in on God and his goodness and the truth that he's bringing to you. And through those decisions, our lives are built. You guys want to come up? Just, I'm going to pray a bit. If you want to join me, um, it'd be great. God, And we just believe you're real. That's why we're here. And uh, we set aside this time in order to interact more with you to figure out more of who you are so our lives can be changed more. And so we ask that you would do that. We ask that you would give us that word or that phrase when we need it, that you would give us the passion to pursue you, to build our life around just focusing on you and your goodness. Apart from you, there is nothing good So please continue to pour that goodness upon us. Thank you for your grace, your endless love, and for giving giving us life in this moment. We surrender it to you. Amen.